Dancing with Gravity, my podcast about seeing life through the eyes of a juggler. My name is Cyril Rabat, I'm your host, and I'm French. Sorry for the accent. I've been a professional juggler for the past 25 years, and this is episode um, maybe 20. And in this episode, I'm having an amazing discussion with Chris Falcon. His, um, he is he's amazing i'm so lucky to know this guy and um to to be around him the way i've been and to learn from him and i was really lucky to be invited on his podcast he has a podcast called the rebel mindset and i binged listened to like the first season because i learned so much so i encourage you please go ahead and check it out and and then he invited me on his next season uh podcast so i i I was really lucky to to meet this guy and 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 he you know was okay to come on my podcast so i'm very excited to bring you this guy uh you're gonna see he's he's doing a bunch of different things he's a very powerful human being and he has a uh, very deep insight, but most I, I found him so um, true and authentic and being able to be vulnerable that I was really moved during this podcast. And uh, you're going to see he's kind of like an uncontro- uncontrollable uh, motivator, motivational speaker. Like he's going to motivate you throughout the podcast. And it was funny because I don't, I don't think he even realizes he's doing that but he's just doing it anyway he starts like motivating you directly throughout the podcast so this is a really fun one please enjoy yeah i've met some like really you know good musicians and stuff like that you know i mean i guess some of my my idols um but i mean on a daily basis you know you you don't really meet that many masters of anything and so when I really think about that think about you kind of illustrating the amount of work that you put into what you do and then just kind of analyze all the different things that I appreciate and love in life and the big one of the big things for me is like music yeah so because you play music well yeah I play music but like yeah I play the guitar I I, I pots around with a lot of stuff but you know to, to master something is another level, right? Yeah. To master it's another level. And like I, I'll listen to, uh, for instance, I was listening to the Smashing Pumpkins. They're one of my favorites. Um, and I was listening to a song, called, a song called Starla. And I'm listening to Billy Corrigan and James E. Hop play. And Billy Corrigan's doing this like seven minute long kind of guitar solo. Right. Just really intense guitar. And yeah. I've listened to that song like 500 times in my life. Yeah. But only after the time I spent with you and, and really listening to that, about seven minutes and 22 seconds into the song, I kind of like had like 
I, like my I was tearing up a little bit mm. and I couldn't figure out like why why is this making me emotional so much like normally I just get really into it but right now I'm emotional and I realized because I'm listening to to not just like the chords and listen to somebody shred it out on a mm. guitar I'm listening to thousands of hours of work mm. I'm listening to thousands of hours of practice mm -hmm. sacrifice missing birthdays mm -hmm. missing you know not calling your mom mm -hmm. you know whatever it is I was listening to all that coming through in this guy just sliding up and down the board and mm -hmm. just absolutely killing it mm -hmm. you know and it's like and, and in a way like I, so I'm sitting here and I'm tearing up and I'm loving it and then I'm like I've I've never mastered anything in my life to like Are that you kidding me? no 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 truly though to that degree because because to say don't that you, you think you're mastering your body no don't you think absolutely not absolutely not because I can go ahead and I can you know I can I can bring you around people that spend way more time studying the body you know challenging their bodies mm -hmm. absolutely not this has been um, my you know my profession mm -hmm. it's been a job for me um, and and it's been a passion but not in in, in, in mastering the body, you know, it's been my passion as far as connecting with people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I, I really took out of my profession. And that's what kept me um, in that profession for yeah. so long is just the ability, is, is, is the access I had to, to people because that's what I love. Mm -hmm. If it were purely just the bodies and the exercise and stuff, I would have quit and burned out a long time ago because mm. that's boring. Anybody can Google anything and learn anything about the body. Anyone can study and pass a test and just acquire that knowledge. Mm. That's easy and it's very limited. But every person that comes in the door is different. They're mm. unique. And so that's what kept me so... so the social, social, yeah, the social uh, part. part of it. Yeah, learning like what's, what's going on with you. What's, what's driving going on you? With, what's driving Who you? are you? Yeah, where are your weaknesses? Where are your strengths? What's your story? Mm. That what kept, that's what kept me going. But no, I haven't mastered the body. I haven't mastered the mind. I haven't mastered any one particular thing. And so now I feel like you've challenged me in a way now. Because I, I feel like I've seen it now for some reason in a new light. I don't know if maybe, you know, you, your practice and your art, there's something about it that's just a, such a tangible analogy for me. Mm. For kind of life and everything like mm. that. And so now I'm like, I'm on a quest. I have to figure out what it is that I want, I want to master and, mm. and, and devote myself to. Yeah, well, I, I was I was reading recently about uh, you know raising your kids, and in America there's like this thing of like wanting you know parents wanting their kids to be like geniuses, so they're like pushing them to be you're gonna learn the cello, you know, like right now, and you're just gonna do that ten hours a day. As, as soon as possible and actually I was reading uh, this research and they realized that a lot of great musician great athletes in when they were kids they actually were not doing one specific thing they were actually doing a lot of different things so uh, they were they were talking about like a Federer the 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 tennis master sure, guy sure. And actually, when he was a kid, he was doing like a dozen different sports. He did like everything. But this way of like touching a little bit on everything helped him become a master at one thing. So the, the way we think 
and the way we're like oh you, you need to specialize and you need to like push so hard in one specific thing at least for kids is actually not necessarily true it might be more and it, when i think about it i realized i started juggling pretty late like I, I i was juggling my whole life but like i only decided when i was 16 years old that's what i'm gonna do and 16 years old for an athlete is really late yeah you know it's like all the athlete around the world like when they're top and in circus it's even more through more true it's like you start young you start when you're like eight years old you know like all the russian all the ukrainians the chinese like they start when they're like four five six years old and then so by the time they're 16 years old they're already freaking beasts yeah and i was just barely starting you yeah. know but i was i did a lot of things you know in my childhood i, I did a lot of different sports some um, a lot of different martial arts uh, boxing and even i didn't even baseball i found a baseball team in paris you know it's like nobody the only baseball team in yeah Paris. exactly it's like <laughs> nobody it. like baseball in france you say baseball but they don't even know what it is you right. know and i found a baseball team and i played two years of baseball so just i did a lot of different things and i realized that i think all of that helped me sabrina just came in i'm gonna tell hey great yes and i'm gonna pick her up great thanks Yeah, so it's like, um, I don't know. I understand what you're talking about, about specialization and mastering something. But I'm actually questioning whether, because it's easy to impress. When you become a master at something, I'm like, yeah, I'm freaking awesome. I can juggle 10 balls, and when I juggle, it's magical because I've been doing that my whole life. So I'm mastering something. But from my point of view, I also... Uh, value people that touch on a lot of different things and actually are developing other skills like social skills human skills and I'm actually attracted to that now you know the grass because is always greener you know? <laughs> the grass is always greener it's, it's so true. true you know the first time I ever saw somebody juggle mm -hmm. I was like mesmerized yeah right I was like holy shit yeah. What is that guy doing? It might not even been balls. It might have even been scarves or something. I don't know. I might have been really little. And so I remember I was like, I am determined to learn how to do that mm -hmm. in, so, in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. I just have to recreate it. Yeah. And so I remember I sat there in my bedroom, and all I had were like three baseballs. Uh-huh. Right. And so I started with like two and like I'm hitting myself in the face. Wow. It's bouncing, it's hitting like my tape recorder. Like it's you know, baseballs are hard and yeah. it's destructive. So I'm just destroying everything. And finally, I was able to do the two, of course, probably not even in the right plane or whatever. And then I got to do the three in there and that was even more destructive. And finally, I was able to like get something going on. And I was like, yep, I'm good. I can cross <laughs> that off the list. Now I know how to juggle. <laughs> That's amazing, man. No, no, but it, it, you know. Yeah, it is. Sometimes we're we're so okay with just like, okay, I just, you know, touched it. I just grazed, you know. I didn't even lean into it. I just kind of bumped into it a little bit. And now I can, you know, check that off my list. I know how to do it. Yeah. No, I really don't. I mean, you just explained it. And like, I, yeah, I did it the absolute hardest way you could possibly yeah. do it. You probably can't even do it the way I do it. 
Right. Yeah. I'm gonna challenge you to do it the wrong way. <laughs> You'll be like, what? That's, I can't do this. That's yeah. You're right. That's really hard. Right. It's like when you when, but that's my whole philosophy in juggling is that I want to teach people to do it the right way, right. so they don't even know how to do it the wrong way. Right. Because once it's uh, embedded in your body, carved into your body the right way, you can't do it any other way. Exactly. You have to be good. Exactly. And that's my aim. You know, when I teach juggling, that's what I want to teach. Because if, if you do it otherwise, uh, you're always you, you're struggling and you just want to uh, fix your default. Yeah. And if you spend your time trying to fix your default, it's like it, it, it's not interesting. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. You're losing too much time on the negative instead of just focusing on like setting um, the space for something. I got to uh, totally beautiful. reprogram myself and get all that out of there. I mean, you know what I see? is that you have the will. How many people were like, oh, I want to do that, and they tried like 20 minutes, and they bumped their head, and they were like, fuck that, this is terrible, I'm yeah. never going to do that again. You ha- you fixed the goal for yourself, and you achieved it. It's just that um, it's a di- you know, I had a different goal. Right. You know, I, and I told you, like, I didn't even want to become a great juggler at the beginning. I just wanted to be part of the circus. Right. That was my goal. And so juggling was the excuse to be part of the circus. And then because where I come from and the education I received and the example I received in my life, I was like, well, if I'm going to if I'm going to be a juggler, I'm going to be the best. Right. So that that was just o- automatic. I, I didn't even think about it. I was just like this is how life is, you know, like when you do something, you want to, you need to be the best at it. Like that's it's just, now I have a very different perspective on that, but that's what I want to talk to you about is, is like, I moved in the States since I'm here that a lot of people, a lot of businesses are creating, are doing business or driving their business purely on a profit perspective. So it's like, you want to grow, you, you make money. And because you make money, there's, there's a, a, a very high um, appreciation in America for money. So it's like when people, you know, people say, like, oh, yeah, I'm a millionaire or I'm a billionaire. And then that's it. Like yeah. you can stop there and people will be like, ooh, this person gets it. Right. And then like no right you can be a fucking asshole and be a billionaire like it has money has nothing to do with who you are as a human being but in america it's very much based on that like this is a a level that people use how much money you have how much money you're worth and so i'm saying that because i'm realizing that i i don't think there's any problem with having money or making money it's just like where is it coming from and yeah. what I'm seeing in you is that you're interested, as you were saying earlier, in the social human interaction. You're interested in meeting people, learning from people, teaching people, like exchanging with people, like how this works. You know, how are we human, human yeah. by bumping into other human beings? And if that creates money, great. But if it doesn't, it's not the main Purpose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and you're totally right. I mean, here in America, um, money is how we keep score, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like the only way most people want to keep score is just on how many dollars you've accumulated. Um, 
you know, similar to learning how to juggle the wrong way, um, you do have people that are very money centric, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that if you truly want to be successful, you're probably going to have to relearn a little bit of that. You're going to have to take out like that, like forward, you know, kind of pattern or mm-hmm. whatever you call that and in, in, in juggling the wrong way and learn how to do it in the single plane. You're going to have to kind of reprogram that and not be so money centric because I mean, how many times have we seen people that are billionaires, millionaires, whatever, and they're still not happy. They're still not fulfilled. <laughs> they're running over people left and right, but they're leaving a path of negative energy. They don't feel good. I know they don't. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time. Um, and then on the flip side, there are people like me who are very people centric, mm-hmm. right? I've never really cared to so much for collecting dollars as a means of, 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 of keeping score. Mm-hmm. For me, it's been more about experience. How many experiences can I collect? Mm-hmm. And experiences are always better when there's other people involved. Mm-hmm. And so that's always been my thing. But I, in essence, have to reprogram myself as well because you can end up making a lot of really bad business decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still running multiple businesses and therefore there are certain things you just can't do if you want it to, pro- you know, to profit and continue to exist. Um, and so it's tough, you know, mm-hmm. to balance that out. The first thing is you have to be aware that both sides exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes here in our culture, people aren't aware that there's this other side, that it's okay to be people-centric, you know, yeah. and that you don't just have to focus on the dollars and cents in the equation. That's not the only thing. Those aren't the only factors. You know, I had an interesting experience just today where somebody wanted um, to, they wanted me to give them uh, some of my collateral, some of my marketing collateral that I spent money producing, and they wanted me to just give it to them so that they could use it for another project. Mm-hmm. Totally separate business, separate everything, but they wanted it. And my, my instinct is, yes, I, I want to help oh, you, so yeah. here it is. But at the same time, I spent a lot of money producing that marketing collateral. Mm-hmm. Here, another entity wants to simply just take my mm-hmm. collateral and just use it as their own. Mm-hmm. And so I, I sat there and I made a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. I weighed it out, you know, and I said, wait a minute. I'm aware of being people-centric and the people-centric side of me says give, give, give. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other kind of business money-centric side. And I said, no, I'm going to make a decision here that's going to be a little bit more business-based. I'm mm-hmm. going to say, you know what? it doesn't feel right to me to take mm-hmm. something that we spent money on, something that represents my brand mm-hmm. and just give it to another company and have them use it. You know, yeah. they should have paid to develop it the same way I did. Mm-hmm. And so I told them no. Mm-hmm. And there's this, you know, bleeding heart inside me. It's like, I want to help everybody. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think to truly develop as a business person um, and to truly maximize your potential, you have to balance both worlds. If you're too people-centric, your business won't exist anymore. And if you're too money-centric, there'll be no people in your business for it to exist. Mm. And you have a problem either way. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Because I really, uh, I mean, I chose this career for the lifestyle, not for the money. You know, it's like there's... You don't make money in the circus. I mean, there's one guy, and his name is Guy La Liberté, and he's the creator of the Cirque du Soleil. But the truth is, he he was a bad circus performer, but he was a great businessman. Yeah. <laughs> so right. he turned the circus so into a business. <laughs> you know. But do you know this guy based on his performances? No. No. Nobody knows him because he was bad. Right. You know, that's the truth of it. But. He had this big vision. He was a businessman from the beginning, and he created this amazing business. But yeah. it's not a circus. It's a freaking, you know, corporation. Yeah, it's They're, a machine. It's a machine. Absolutely. It's, it's a complete machine. And, I mean, I guess we need 
one circus in the world that's like that, but that's the only one, you know, all the other circuses are, you know, there's the Cirque du Soleil and they have like 25 shows all over the world and it's like multi-billion dollar company. And then there's normal circuses. There's no in between, you know, right. like this, this, this is kind of like a weird thing that happened in the circus industry. But beside them, there's no one, you know, even the Barnum and Billy's, the, the circus, they, they've been going bankrupt like every five years since the last like 30 years you know, you it's know. funny man i mean i can't i can't even really think of any other like circuses here like domestically that like, doesn't exist right this doesn't exist yeah there I is plenty of circuses it. but they're tiny yeah they're small they're tiny family owned things you know that people do that for the passion of circus it's those guys are the only one business centered and so they created that and yeah i mean it's 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 remarkable it's just not circus do you think that some of these smaller circuses um do you think they're not um obviously i mean cirque du soleil is 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 something you know really special um but do you think some of these smaller circuses might not be growing as big as they could because maybe they are so invested just in the pure passion and in the people or do you think that the, there's really not a market for it? Like maybe now is just not the time to take a small circus and turn it into a medium-sized circus. What is a medium-sized circus? I don't even know. But I just wonder because, like, I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, I've been to a couple Cirque du Soleil shows. I loved it. Yeah. I could probably sit here and just watch you juggle a single ball <laughs> and be like, ooh. <laughs> like, these are things that make people go ooh and ah because most people can't do them and they're seeing something that's different, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, and I feel like now more than ever, I feel like we, we, we do need experiences, Right. People want experiences. Yeah. You know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine um, who owns a marketing company and he was talking to me about I told him, like, what do I need to know? Like, what is like, what should I be doing? If mm -hmm. I were a big company, I had a 10 million dollar budget. He goes, I go, what should I do? And he goes, you'd spend your money first on data. Mm -hmm. OK, to learn as much about the consumer as possible so that you can provide the most curated experience for those people possible. Mm -hmm because it's all about the experience. So yeah. if we want to feel something, what better place to go than the circus? Than the circus I if agree. you really want to feel I something agree. and be totally wowed and, and leave that place like I can't believe that. I agree. The the, the problem I bil I think is that in America to make something medium size, you need to invest a lot of money. And nobody wants to invest in the circus. Unless it's the Cirque du Soleil, because the Cirque du Soleil already has a name. They already have a brand. They already have a reputation. But any other circuses, they don't exist. Nobody, you, you can't even think of a name of a circus right now. You're just telling me like, you know. So it means for a circus to either put money out of their pocket and in, or get investors to invest. And that's, I think that's one of the problem in America is like everything needs money to exist. You know, like there's no support coming from other sources than like individual people investing in things. And I think people, investors, a lot of them, I believe are greedy. And they want to make sure they're going to get their return on their money. They want to make sure they're going to bank. And that's is a loop back to the conversation of like, why are you doing what you're doing? Why not more investors are investing in 
the the experience the people the society where the world is going and secondary to that of course think about profitability and make sure you get a return on your money but why is the return on the money is the first thing you look at then we're going to start asking the question okay is it great for the world is it ecological is it great for the society and this and that but the first thing is always the money yeah you know i mean you're right i mean i think that um you know, I think the gap between kind of the haves and the have-nots is, is getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's been getting bigger. The dot-com era made it massive. And um, and I think that we're seeing an even an even bigger divide. Um, and so people, people are making a lot of money out there. And I think they're making it easier than they've ever made it before. And so they're really hungry. And now you have a, a lot of competition between people with money mm-hmm. to be, you know, it's the race. Who's going to be the first trillionaire? Mm-hmm. You know, like there's just this huge, huge race for more to consume and consume. And I sometimes wonder, like some of this, like, th- look, man, I mean, there are so many billion. We have more billionaires now than ever before. Like mm-hmm. there's so many people with money. They can buy everything. Exactly. Like they could buy this whole city. Like they could literally leave no space for you, me, or anyone else mm-hmm. to like create anything that would make a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. If all the billionaires just decided they want to take over everything, they could do no problem. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder to myself, like, does that leave some space for like, let's just talk about myself, like the little people? Some space for us to maybe invest in something that I'm just going to call, for lack of better terms, kind of like the modern antiquities, if you mm-hmm. if you will. Like, you know, again, we had that conversation about mastering something. Like maybe instead of me wanting to do something that's going to make me a multimillionaire or a billionaire, maybe I just want to immerse myself in learning to juggle for the passion or for the love. Maybe I'm going to go ahead and pick up that, you know, dusty guitar in my, in my dad's basement you know, and to blow it off and just mm-hmm. immerse myself in mm-hmm. playing guitar just to play guitar. Not mm-hmm. because I'm going to have a band or because I'm mm-hmm. going to develop something or because I'm going to need to be the next this or the, the last that. Mm-hmm. Maybe just because. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just enough. Maybe we're going to see a resurgence of that, which would be beautiful. I think we're already seeing it. Are we seeing it? I hope we're seeing I it. I think we're already seeing it. And I think people are looking for meaning because yeah. I'm telling you, money is empty it's just a tool it's 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 not an ending and i think the people that thought it was became millionaires billionaires and now they're like freaking assholes realizing that shit i'm an asshole right i spent my whole life doing that i thought that was the purpose the whole society is validating that for the outside Ooh. The car, ooh, look at the right. property, ooh, look at that. And people are still really into that, like still looking, feeding that on social media and like, ooh, this is the thing to, everybody want to touch it. But the people in it, I mean, if they're smart, they can become happy. But that's the whole question. What's happiness? You know, what's the definition of happiness? Yeah, you know, I mean, again, another good question. You know, I feel like for myself, Happiness is something that um, I let go of as like an end um, a long time ago. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if we touched on it before, but I mean, you know, I suffer uh, from depression. It's something that's been with me, you know, in hindsight, m- most of my life, as mm-hmm. far back as I can remember. Um, it's It's been there. And so growing up and kind of dealing with that and grappling with that, I've, I've realized that like, Happiness can't be my goal because when you when you suffer from depression, I can have everything. 
I can be at home with my beautiful wife. I can have my three gorgeous children. I can have a business that's paying all the bills. I can have all these things and actually be happy. Mm. And then out of nowhere, for no reason, uncontin- you know, not, not contingent on anything. It's just, mm. It has nothing to do with anything that's going out of my life. Darkness Boom. will just take over. Mm. And so if happiness is something that can just kind of like go in and out like that, right? Like, oh, Mr. Chabad, you won $10 million. Woohoo, I'm so happy. Mm. Next day, oh, the IRS, you owe us $20 million. Oh, I'm not happy. Oh, the next day, this. You can just keep going back and forth. So I realized, like, with depression and stuff, I'm like, happiness cannot be my ultimate end, the synonym of everything. It cannot be. So what am I looking for? And I realized it's simply just peace. Just peace. You know, we were talking, I believe we were talking about this before, you know, about the flow, Mm -hmm. you know, and you were talking about the vibrations Mm -hmm. and then kind of like that stillness, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. that singularity. Mm -hmm. That singularity you cannot define as happiness. Mm -hmm. Happiness is, it doesn't have the depth and the complexity to describe that Mm -hmm. state. But that is something that's outside of happiness. It's outside of sadness, Right, you can find flow in your darkest moments. You can find Absolutely. that in the highest highs. It is its own layer, and so I recognize. Wait a minute, that's what I want. That's something where I can I can be whole. Mm-hmm. You know, where I feel like the darkness can't get me, mm-hmm. and where I feel like I can't be fooled by the facade and the decoy that is happiness. That does not mean don't enjoy happiness when it's there for you. Yeah, of course, as you should enjoy a fantastic you know, glass of whiskey, mm-hmm. you know, an awesome beer or a nice slice of Lou Malnati's pizza, whatever it is. But you cannot immerse yourself mm-hmm. in, you know, a bottle of alcohol. It's actually... <laughs> it's got, you got, you because you know where that's going to take you. Right, right, right? Right. It makes me think a lot of, like, uh, Buddhism or Zen or the different... Um, spirituality spiritual practice because i don't uh consider buddhism a religion really it's more like a spiritual practice to me but this uh goal of like attaining uh and maintaining a state you know buddha like attained a state of like awareness basically and maintain that state of awareness but if you you read his story like before getting there he actually went through a lot and he was an asshole and he was uh lost and he did stupid shit and you know he he had to go through all those um feelings and emotions and experiences a lot of them dark to get to that place and when i hear you like talking about peace 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 of mind peace of like a state basically a, a state of being it makes me think of, of that like yeah buddhism and and what they're aiming for although their choice is like to remove the body from the experience and to be like okay no sex no no nothing basically just meditation water rice and you know like very like taking yourself out of a lot of the physical um experiences available in the world to really get your mind in this like spiritual state i 
I like all the physical stuff. I like drinking whiskey. I like having sex. I like having emotions and, and feeling things. So, and I don't think you you have to remove yourself from those to attain this more spiritual space. I agree with you, you know, and you shouldn't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've studied a little bit of Buddhism and Zen. You know, I don't know if they wholly want you to to kind of renounce you know, all of those worldly things, you know, but I mean, there's so much about it that's so attractive, right? You know, I mean, just, I remember w- one thing that really struck me, you know, when you're talking about like the Eiffel Pat, that's always a tough one to say, right? Um, you know, but like, you know, things like, you know, like right thought, you know, they have uh-huh. like right thought and right speech and all these different things. And like, you know, just like the power of your thoughts mm-hmm. alone, you know what I mean? Like not looking to, to, to chase rumor, and to chase negativity and spread lies and do mm-hmm. all these different things. Like, these things are such basic. I mean, you know, you talked about it before, just about, you know, you know, Guatemala, Buddha. You know, he was an asshole. He had this journey. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, you talk about this peace and this transformation of man. You know, really, we're just talking about not being an asshole. <laughs> right. right. Right? I mean, like, let's be serious. Like, <laughs> if, if, if we're talking about, like, somebody that you're going to want to be around someone that you might even want to consider enlightened, is he an asshole or is he not right. an asshole? Right. Like, if this person's not an asshole, they're kind, they're empathetic, right? they're not trying to spread rumors, they're not trying to tear people down, mm-hmm. to do the best they can to do the right thing, you know, yeah. be honest. Like, I think that's really all we want, people. Like, that's all we really should expect from each other mm-hmm. is just that, you know, but that type of stuff requires intention you know years ago every single december i had my something i call my month of meditation Mm -hmm. where for the entire month i don't shave Mm -hmm. and it's one uh like you know four week long meditation Mm -hmm. and at that time i reflect on the year i find my mantra for the next year and then i shave on the first of the year and i go into the year like fresh and new and i remember one year this was several years ago I came out with this mantra after meditating for a month. And it was that life is practice. Mm -hmm. Practice only what you want to become a habit. (laughs) The quality of your life is determined by the sum and the nature of those habits. And if you think about it, right, life is practice. Let's just break that piece down. Life is practice practice Mm -hmm. for me that is so powerful because i'm practicing stuff all the time but is it with intention Mm. right or do you want to sit there and say let's use the gym you know because that's an easy analogy people come in you know i want them to do 15 repetitions of something they stop at 10 they quit your life is practice Mm -hmm. you are now practicing to quit Mm -hmm. and if you continue to do that quitting will become a habit Mm -hmm. right so let's think about you know, even your life, you know, your life. I mean, and that's what's so amazing, too, when you think about this mantra and then compare it to you, how many times, probably countless times, you were confronted with the opportunity to quit. Yeah. 
I mean, on a micro scale, right? Like yeah. just while while practicing yeah. an hour in, oh, screw this, I'm done. Like, yeah. you know, and then on a, on a grander scale, oh, I'll never be the best in the world. Oh, I'll never make it to the biggest, biggest platform. I mean, you must have been confronted with a million opportunities to quit. And you didn't, and you made it. So think about the habit that you have now yeah. developed with your practice. You don't quit. You don't break. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. It's. I'm actually struggling with the opposite. <laughs> you, strugg- you won't let go. Look, he's making a fist right now as he says this. <laughs> I'm actually struggling with being more gentle with myself and allow myself to quit mm-hmm. because I hurt myself so many times. That's how I got came up with like so many injuries during my career because my mental was like, no, you're not quitting. You're going to keep practicing. And then my body would send me signals. I need a break. I need a break. It's too much. And I would, um, at the beginning, I was young and I was not able to uh, distinguish the signals between uh, you know, being in a place where it's uncomfortable, but you can still push a little bit or a place of like, I'm actually getting injured right now. You know, those are two uh, very close sen- sensation. There's sensation that are kind of like near each other in the same realm of being very in a discomfort. And I was like pushing my boundaries of being okay with discomfort all the time. That's how I became good at what I do. But then if you push it too hard, when the body is like, I'm going to break, the body always tells you before it's going to break. But I was not able to listen. So I, I, I injured myself. And it took me, I had the problem, the, the opposite problem of being like, Oh, listen to my body today. My body is telling me, you need to stop, or you need to slow down, or you need to like shift something. And then I, I had to accept okay, maybe I'm not going to reach the goal I fixed for myself, but I'm still doing something and that's okay. Yeah, well, you know, and that gets into like that last part of the mantra, right? Which is like the quality of your life is determined by the sum and the nature of those habits. And so, you know, you had to push, you know, you felt inside that, well, look, let's not even say about feeling inside. You needed to take yourself to those extremes to be the best. Right. I'm sorry, but to be the best in the world, if that's your goal, you're going to have to push through a shitload of pain. Mm-hmm. And there's probably going to be times where you push too hard. Mm-hmm. Everybody can tell you that they did that. And hopefully you learn from those mistakes. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk about the quality of your life, right, like how long is it? So the sum, right, of these experiences and these habits, like how long do you want to continue those habits and those practices? You know, what is the nature of them? At what point do these, do these habits and the things you've practiced become something that take away from your quality of life you know something that start to consume you you know and that's to me kind of like the beauty of the whole thing right like you have to be aware you have to be present you have to learn you have to grow that growth is not possible without struggle you had to endure it you know so to, to live the mantra is beautiful to, and living that mantra doesn't mean that it's all pancakes and waffles. Yeah. 
or croissant. <laughs> and I don't know what else beautiful thing. You guys have so many beautiful <laughs> baguette, baguette croissant. <laughs> you know all that stuff. You know it's not all that. Sometimes you get some you know mail in the in the in the situation here. You know what I mean? Like, and you have to take it sometimes because yeah. life is shit sometimes. Yeah. You know, but were you present enough? to recognize when you were standing in a pile of shit mm -hmm. versus eating a wonderful baguette, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's really all, again, going back to, you know, to Zen and Buddhism and stuff like that, you know, can you be that aware? Mm -hmm. um, we got to do that, man. We got to do that because the, the world is, is moving really fast. Things are changing really fast. And if we let it, it can pull away at our humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, it will pull you out of the now and have you constantly swimming Mm -hmm. And a land of tomorrow and a land of should and a land of ought to's and all this stuff, mm -hmm. you know, but we have to like put our foot fucking planted firmly in a pile of shit for a minute sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, and pay attention to where we're at. Mm -hmm. It's important, you know, and so I mean, that's the reason why, you know, I do a lot of the things that I do. My wife said to me the other day, she, you know, I love her. She's the best mm -hmm. because she puts up with me. <laughs> and she was talking about how, you know, I think it's important that we sit down and, and reevaluate our vision mm -hmm. and, and our goals and why it is that we're doing what we're doing. And I said, I'd love to do that wow. with you. Yeah. I would love to do that with you. And we do that a lot. We spend a lot of time talking and, and, and connecting. Um, and I told her, I go, but on a personal level, I'm, I'm very focused and I know exactly, you know, why I do what I do. Mm. And she's like, well, why? And I'm like, for the same reasons that I told you years ago. Mm. And, and, and truthfully, for me, I'm in the business of collecting experiences. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people look at all the different things that I do and think that that is my inability to be focused, my inability, my, my, my lack of ability to, to endure, to be dedicated to one thing. Mm. And that's not what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm painting something very, very, very specific here. Mm. First and foremost, I am focused on one thing, and that is being me. Mm. And most people can't do that. I am focused on being me. I am always focused on that one thing. And to be me means I want to play in a lot of different sandboxes mm -hmm. at the same time, mm -hmm. and I think mm -hmm. that's okay. And number two, I want to inspire and motivate people to get out there and pick up that guitar, mm -hmm. to start to grab those balls and, and, and step into that space, mm -hmm. to lean into whatever it is that everyone else told you you couldn't do, mm -hmm. to stand there firmly in that pile of shit, if that's exactly what it is, and recognize where you are. Mm -hmm. And that's that you are alive, and this is it. This is it. This is not a dry run. This is not a practice. This is it. And so if I can inspire people to look at whatever it is that I'm doing, and I've had messages. People have reached out to me on Facebook and said, I've been watching you, and you inspired me to open up this business, or you inspired me to do that because I always see you doing these different things, and you're never afraid. Mm -hmm. I go, that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's awesome. To get you to get up and and live and your try. life and, and, try. and try. That's it. And you don't need to become a billionaire. It, it wasn't unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. If it failed, mm -hmm. that's all right. Mm -hmm. It's still a success mm -hmm. because now maybe you have started yourself on the path mm -hmm. to developing a wonderful practice, the practice of doing yeah. the practice and hopefully building the habit of someone that takes action. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. To live your walking life. Walking the walk and walking talking. Walking the walk, yeah. Talk, right? Action to live your life. Not just sitting there, oh. Wishing. Yeah, yeah surreal. I wish, 
I wish I could, you know, uh, you know, learn how to how to, to to navigate a boat. I've always wanted to be a sailor. Right. You know what I mean? How horrible is that? Mm-hmm. No, who would ever even want to watch that movie? A depressing movie about this guy <laughs> sitting in his living room. You know what I mean? Depressed every day. He's going to some job on a computer, typing away, and then he comes home and he's just sitting there thinking about all these. Oh, I wish yeah. and I wish and I wish. That's no, that's yeah. that's not why you're here. Right. I'm right. telling you that's not why you're here. Right. right. We're here for more. So how do you convey that to people? By example? Yeah. By living your life like that? Yeah. Or do you also teach people? Do you mentor people? Do you how do you do that? Number one, I think that, you know, and this is just my style, you know, I lead from the front and not from the back. So mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do it if I want other people to do it. I'm mm-hmm. not perfect, but I am going to do it. And so I try to live my life that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't sit there and tell people you can and uh, not attempt anything, everything right. and anything and not be doing it. Right. There's pretty much not a single thing that I want to be. There's not a single sandbox that I kind of want to be playing in mm-hmm. that I'm not playing in at this current moment. Right. Um, you know, just to give you an example, this morning. I was able to connect with some beautiful people in the morning, have some meaningful relationships, help people connect with their body. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to connect with my own body. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, something that I enjoy and is important to me, although sometimes I feel like my body's not enjoying me. <laughs> um, I was able to drive into a city that I love and remove myself from my suburban atmosphere and take in that different energy, which is important. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm able to be here with you, right, with this beautiful Frenchman and this wonderful, you know, our wonderful uh, person, <laughs> Saba here in the background, you know, enjoying us, this incredible energy, you know. And then later I'm going to be in a recording studio with some of my friends playing guitar. Awesome. Singing. Yeah. Recording some stuff. Uh-huh. Just messing around. Like, that's like my day. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, war- there was no work. You didn't hear me talking about right. work. But like. To me, like, that's awesome. Like, I dreamt of, like, a life like that Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. A life where there was enough freedom, enough space, Mm -hmm. where I could just play, Mm -hmm. sing, dance, create, make art, connect with people, you know, do something new. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm living that. And and, and next, I try to find as many opportunities to speak as possible. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I am a motivational speaker as well. I get out there and, and talk about a lot of different things. I've got my own podcast, mm-hmm. as you know. You were yeah. probably the amazing. best guest I ever had. Uh, the Rebel Mindset. <laughs> Your podcast is amazing. Thank man. you. Yeah. So I mean, all these things are things that I'm doing. Whether it's me in a paper, me it's, it's me speaking on my podcast, whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. it's all in some way to show people, mm-hmm. to motivate and inspire people mm-hmm. to get up and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if this you know kid who you know I didn't I don't have a college degree, mm-hmm. I didn't have a father, I had a single mother. I was abused. Mm-hmm. I suffer from depression. I had a suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. I grew up poor. Mm-hmm. The list goes on and on and on and on. Black, <laughs> right? I can give you a lot of things that people would want to use as a crutch, as right. an excuse right. to say, I can't, yeah. or life isn't fair, right. or that's not for me, right? right? Because I'm a woman, because I'm gay, because I'm transgender, because I'm poor, because I'm too short, too fat, too tall, whatever it is. Right, 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 right. No. No. That's 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 not it. If you remove yourself from the victim position, then 
you can do anything. Yeah, I think you can. And, and I think that t- for me personally, like, cause like when you talk about this victim, like the, the victim position encompasses a lot of pain for mm-hmm. some people, right? Whether it's, you don't need to be abused to be a victim, mm-hmm. you know? No. And so if, if it, it's insecurity, whatever you're dealing with, I found for me, it meant um, to, to not necessarily kind of be removed from it, but almost like immerse myself in it, like mm. Tantra, like kind of go the other way. Mm. You know, sometimes you find the you bottom. Need, yeah, yeah. Like you kind of feel like you need to pull yourself out. Like instead, maybe not. Don't pull it out. Just push your finger all the way through and right. poke a hole out the other side. Yeah, go, go touch the bottom. Yeah, you know, and I kind of did that like with like, you know, with writing poetry, mm. you know what I mean? In meditation, you know, I tried to kind of take myself really deep into the darkness because I felt like kind of re- removing myself from it seemed almost impossible because it was a part of me now. Mm. It's a residue that's like all over my DNA, mm. you know? And so it's like, okay, like if I can't get it off me because it's it's just on me now, how can I figure out how to make it beautiful? Right. And and in some way positive, yeah, like a positive. positive force for you that works for you. I can identify myself in that because I, I was also uh, feeling depressed at one point when I was uh, younger like around 20 years old uh, and and I don't even know why really because I, I don't really have any like obvious excuse you know the way you were saying it uh, I kind of like had everything that would work for me but for some reason I, I, I felt that inside of me and uh, I, I what happened is that I, I I started isolating myself from the world and I went to the bottom of like feeling this like downward spiral of depression and I just went in nearly consciously to be like okay what's the bottom of this and and the bottom of it was like thinking about ending my life and I seriously considered it like okay what's the pros and what's the cons you know because it is kind of taboo to to talk about it or to think about it and for some reason I was like putting all the rules back on the table, being like, well, who says so? Like, who says so? Like, I, I, I'm going to make my own rules, so I'm going to ask myself, honestly, is it worth it to live right now? And I went through this, like, weird period, but actually it turned out to be very productive because in a way being alone and removing myself from the world gave me a lot of time to juggle and become really good at my at what I do. So I spent like a lot of time being okay uh, in loneliness and alone. And I, I learned to like wrestle with that beast of feeling excluded from the society alone for hours, days, weeks, month at a time, just um, drowning myself in becoming better at juggling. And, on, and eventually that became what made me attractive to the world. The very thing that excluded me from the world eventually turned out that the world wanted me to be part of it now because I'm a master juggler and people want to be around me. Wow, as if your story needed to get any more compelling. (laughs) Great asshole. Um, (laughs) No, but I mean, like, how amazing is that, right? You know, like, you know, the the one thing that pulled you it, the closest you'd ever been to extinguishing life mm-hmm. kind of was, I guess, integral in creating the bridge yeah. to having you 
experience things in life that most people could never even fathom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I and think it had to do with the honesty of making a decision inside myself, being like, well, if I want to, if I'm making the decision, I'm not going to end my life. It has to be a good reason. Do so I'm going to live my life fully. Do you think that honesty, because, you know, I mean, this is something that I think about all the time. Like, you, you were able to be that honest with yourself, right, in that yeah. moment. But, like, why the hell can't we be that honest with each other? Like, why can't we be that mm -hmm. honest in the world? Uh, here I am. I'm surrounded by human beings. You know, I'm not, it's not like I'm running around here in this world, in this big, massive city, surrounded by ants or right. dogs or birds or something that's so alien to me. Mm. Like, I firmly believe... Everyone has these same emotions, right? right? You're insecure. Sometimes you feel down. Yeah. You have dreams. You have a vision. Yeah. Why can't we be more honest with each other? Yeah. A world where like, but no, then as a man, there's certain th expectations and things you have to be. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't cry. And mm -hmm. as a woman, well, I can't show them that I'm weak because then they're not going to think I can handle this or mm -hmm. I can't do this or do that. Why can't we be that honest with ourselves? Mm -hmm. And when I say with ourselves, I mean with each other. Mm -hmm. Why can't we be that honest? Mm -hmm. Why can't we be that transparent? I think we have a fucked up set of values. No, well, that's true. I th I, seriously, because I've been thinking about the same thing. Like uh, recently, I've I've been attending to like different conferences and different and realizing like how people do business and like how like there's this business aspect of everything that comes before humanity helping and a lot of things part of why I value a lot what you do because I can see clearly that you're doing that f for the love of being a human being before making the money and 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 so I'm realizing like we have a fucked up set of values our values are upside down right like and in a way social media kind of like blew that up out of out of proportion with their freaking algorithm based on like, you know, like Las Vegas slot machines to like keep you playing, you know, it's like yeah. this, like, f and this is totally fucked up. Like it's one of the example, social media was invented to connect people. And as soon as it got big enough to make money was turned into a, a cash cow machine. And For fucked sure. up society, and, and and amplify our need and desire as human beings to like be validated and be seen a certain way, and egotistical, and post pictures of us like looking amazing and eating the best food and doing the best thing in the world, and it, it freaks me out. It actually freaks me out because it made me feel really bad for a very long time, you know, even though. On paper, I have a great life. You know, I've traveled the world, Cirque du Soleil, this, that, you know, amazing juggler, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, it really fucked me up. Like, I was like, oh, shit, they all look so amazing. Like, their life looks much better than my life. And then I, I never found the um, spontaneous uh, desire or intuition or need to be part of that and post. So it's, it's not natural for me to, like, be on social media. I, I really thought it was like stupid right off the bat. I was like, this is stupid. Like, I, I don't get it. And, 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 and now I'm like, oh shit, I, I need it because it's just how business 
business function and how life functions today. That's how it is. I need to be part of it. If I'm not part of it, I'm just completely out of everything. Yeah, man. And like, and no one asked our permission, right? Like the world changed in a way that I don't even know if like, you know, the developers of, you know, all of these, you know, because like you can have somebody that came up with an application, you know, I don't even know the names who are the guys that came up with Instagram. I know that, you know, Facebook and all these guys purchased, bought it up. But like, you know, who, the person that came up with the technology so that these apps could exist the way are, like all these people did not really understand no. truly what was going to happen. No, they had I no think idea. some of this kind of unveiled itself as they were going. They're like, holy shit, wait a minute. This is literally going to change mm -hmm. an entire culture. Like the whole world has been shifted in the same way you can go back and look throughout history and like, you know, it, 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 different stages of human development and how th the world functioned. This literally shifted our entire world, not only how we live in it, but how we see it, mm -hmm. how we experience it, mm -hmm. how we taste it. And no one asked our permission. Your world was changed and mm -hmm. you had no say. Mm -hmm. And so now we live in this world where if you're not on Instagram, you don't exist. Mm -hmm. If there, if you don't have a constant feed of images, mm -hmm. you have no pulse. Right. These types of statements for creatives and maybe people like us who our natural thing is to get out there and live life, not document it, mm -hmm. are alien to us. You know, mm -hmm. I get the social media world, mm -hmm. but I don't feel like I fit in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And by feeling like I don't fit in it makes me feel like I don't fit in the world. Absolutely. Right. Sometimes. Absolutely. Which is alien. And I'm a grown man. Right. Right. Like think about. Imagine the kids. Some of these children. Man. I mean, think about that you want to talk about the darkness yeah. places that we've been in yeah. like i feel like there are more opportunities now to fall completely off the grid yeah. than there have ever been yeah you know and, and it's so ironic because we hear it all the time it's so ironic because at a time where we have more abilities to connect, <laughs> yeah. I and can to connect. go from one place to, yeah, another, to another in so many minutes, you so know, easy. so easy. But at the same time, so much potential to feel isolated. Yes, to yes. feel like I am completely alone. And I, I believe we came to that point because our set of values is fucked up. Because when the right decision should have been made in whatever step of evolution of the company where those guys were like, oh, we're going to take that to the next level. So let's do that. But let's put the priority on human uh, wealth, like well-being. No, we're going to put the emphasis on freaking money. Yeah. On, you know, making profit and putting the whatever, you know, investors in first or whatever instead of being customer centered like human centered yeah and, and it's like is it the and that's a question i've been always asking myself it's like would i be the same asshole if i were in their shoes because i understand that power corrupts you know like Whatever you're doing, whoever you are, when you get to a level of power, fame, money, but mostly power, I think it's really hard to keep the north and to keep 
your values straight and to do the right thing. And I think it's very corrosive. And especially when it happens in your life, like a lot of those guys achieve like gigantic amount of power very young. And when I think of myself when I was 20 years old, I was a fucking asshole. So give me the power of Facebook when I was 20 years old. I, I would probably have done worse than the guy, you know. <laughs> But yeah. the older I get, the more I question myself and I reflect and I understand and my set of value grows and uh, and changes. And, you know, I, I think I'm more, I'm wiser, you know, as, as older older I get, I'm wiser. So I'm wondering, you know, I'm 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 very critical, but at the same time, I absolutely know that I'm not bulletproof, and I might be the biggest asshole. Well, I mean, you're being honest, yeah. right? I mean, I think that we're, I think we're kind of seeing something that we've never seen before, really. I mean, yes, we've had, you know, there've been extremely wealthy people. I mean, we've had kings and queens and all that stuff. But I mean, truly, then in those ages, if you want to talk about, you know, when the kings, you know, the king had everything and they had complete control, and everyone else had nothing. So right now, we're, we're it's a really different world, a world where you have people that have literally, like, in, in just a matter of seconds, they can touch and change the world. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, no king has ever had that, right. maybe their domain or what right. they thought was the world. But Mark Zuckerberg right now mm -hmm. could do something with a ripple effect would touch mm -hmm. every single corner of this planet mm -hmm. in seconds. Mm -hmm. And that type of power has never been had before. The amount of wealth that we're seeing has never been had before. So I think that I think that we need to study. I think we need to look at these people and learn from them. Like what how what would you do? I don't know, man. I don't know what you do. I don't know what I do, but I know I I know what I would do if I was given those opportunities after watching everybody else. Mm. Now, don't, don't let's not go back and have me be Mark Zuckerberg messing right. around in his, you know, dorm room at Harvard and developing this and blah 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 blah. But let's just talk about now and moving forward. Mm. You know, power and influence is something that I want. Mm. But I want power not to take, but power so that I can give. Mm. Continue giving. Um, that's something that I know I, I'm not here just to take for myself. I already tried to take my own life away. Yeah. So I'm not here to take anything from anybody else. I tried to take away the one thing mm -hmm. that all these egocentric, you know, egocentric people are like all about their mm -hmm. life. Well, I already was ready to throw that all away. Right. So that can't be, I'm not just here to self-serve. Right. I don't really give a shit. Right. You know, I, what I want to do is I want to taste it. I want to feel it and I want to be able to give and I want power and influence to be able to give, not take. Mm. And so that's important to me. And I think that if there are other people out there listening to this podcast, you know, people that find themselves in a position to want to dream and want to dream big. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that you should dream big. I think that you should raise your expectations, but do it with something that my grandmother said to me just a couple days ago when we sat down and we were talking about the world. She thinks that it's all, it all comes down to one single word, respect. Mm -hmm. Respect. And not just in a way that you'd imagine, respect your elders. Right. Respect yourself. Right. Start, right? start by yourself. That's what she's really <laughs> talking about. Respect yourself. Yeah. You know, if you really sit here and, and you look in the mirror, take away all the bullshit, right? Look at how fucking amazing we are just as human beings. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that you're here, 
You know, sometimes I'll just stare in the mirror. You kind of put your arms out and just kind of really just look at what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. look at your body. Look what you can do. Look at all these things that we've created. Let's have respect for ourselves mm-hmm. as individuals. Let's respect each other as human beings, as co-creators of this fantastic reality here. Mm-hmm. And let's have respect for the power of our choices, our words, our actions, our lives. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she's absolutely right. Totally. I think if we had a little more respect for this gift, for this opportunity, I think that, that we could do more stuff with it. So damn it, get out there, people. Have some respect for who you are and what you've done and what you're capable of. Build, create, accumulate, and then do your best to share, mm-hmm. to touch, yeah. to motivate. It's important. So when are you running for president, man? Uh, I actually have a time capsule where I have the year set that I'm running for president. Oh, yeah? I do. Um, and and I did it not because I, I believe that I'm actually going to run for president at some point. Um, I, I did it because I feel like if I aim really high <laughs> and, like, kind of do my best to kind of set up some wire frames to kind of get there, even if I fall short, maybe I'll just be, like, mayor of, like, some really shitty town or, like, whatever, and that'll be okay with me. <laughs> But I, I did I did put it in a time capsule. That's awesome. But I'm letting you know I've inhaled. I've done a lot of things. So if anyone's going to vote for me for anything, this is going down like on the record because that's just how I am. I've done it all. <laughs> I've done everything. So if you're looking for some like Puritan like person, no, that's not me. But if you want somebody that's been there, that's done it, and I pushed all the way through the bottom and poked yeah. two holes through, yeah. then I'm your guy. Yeah. But if you're looking for somebody that's never inhaled or hasn't done anything like that, then screw it. You don't vote for me because I'm, I'm, right. I'm a piece of shit. Well, because I'm thinking, you know, like, with the way you you perceive yourself and you achieved so many so much for yourself but at the same time you do it in such a way to give and to share and to give back and to like lift up so many people around you and like well this is the perfect example of lead like how our leaders should be <laughs> instead of being like freaking egocentric assholes only looking to like enrich themselves in all the ways they can that that comes back to what i was saying about like power how power corrupts and turns things upside down and make people you know like because you you listen to them before they're you know elected or running or whatever and all of them sounds really great but once they're there it's like what what happened man you know yeah the machine is broken You know, the machine's broken. You know, I mean, look at all these guys. You know, they're all in there with their Navy suits and their red ties and their American flag buttons on there, whether they're, you know, red, blue states, Republican, Democrats, independents, whatever. It feel like it's all the same stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, we we change. Real change is going to happen from the bottom up. It's not just going to be one president or one anybody that's going to change anything. It's going to happen here. It's going to happen with me and you and all the people on the street. And it's just going to be a fundamental mind shift, mm-hmm. you know, to just, like we said before, like not be an asshole, to yeah. be enlightened, to recognize and respect, respect the moment, you know, in our lives and do yeah. something with it, you know, to really take ownership over our lives. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's not just going to be one person. And I, I can't tell you, like, I've never sat there and like listened to 
one of those speeches that they gave mm. and truly like felt it. Mm. You know, I can always, this is all just part of the game. It's right. all the bullshit, right. you know? No one has really just sat there, just put the prompters aside right. Right. and said, and, and really gave it to you real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like really laid it yeah. down. And like, it's that level of leadership that I think that we really will need moving forward, but it's not gonna just be one person in one seat. That type mm. of leadership is going to have to happen in local government. It's gonna have to happen in, in, in large companies, medium businesses, small businesses, the, the, the cross guard outside walking the kids. Anyone that finds themselves in a position to advocate for others mm -hmm. will have to speak with that prophetic voice. Mm -hmm. We'll have to speak with that. Those all those little cogs in this incredible machine are going to be the ones to break the machine and change it. Not just one person in the seat. So that would be how I would want. I would want to speak to anyone in a position to advocate. This is your responsibility. It's your responsibility to connect with those kids that go by. Just that little touch, that little touch. Mm -hmm. Your employees, if, if it's one, two, three, whatever it is, if you find yourself in a position to lead, lead from the front and mm -hmm. inspire and motivate those people. You know, you look at like you think of these movies like, you know, like like Braveheart or something like mm -hmm. that. You know what I mean? You see, you know, William Wallace, you know, you, we romanticize that stuff. Mm -hmm. The warrior archetype, you know what I mean? If there's going to be a battle or you think about, you know, everyone watched Game of Thrones, right? Mm -hmm. Jon Snow, the Battle of the Bastards, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? He pick up his sword. He's going to run there and he's going to pick up his sword. And there could be a sea of horses. And he's just going to be ready like that leader is going to go first, mm -hmm. not the person that's going to sit there in the back and like send all the infantry and everybody in like, no. Like that leader is going to be the one. And like, I'm a fool, right? I'm people centric. I'm not money centric. If we're going to have a war and a battle, I would be that foolish leader that's going to grab the sword and be the first run running in the battle. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait a minute. But if you die, who's going to lead us? I don't care. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be in the front lines with my people. Mm -hmm. And if I've done my job, then if I die, the next per anybody here will step forward and go first mm -hmm. because that's what true that's leadership the, is yes, yes, it's yes. going first mm -hmm. and so anyone can do it all you need to do is choose mm -hmm. amen that's yeah. it i love it it's the truth right i mean what are we what else are we supposed to say about it it's the truth and we've been given so many examples of you know of leaders they would never go first. Yeah. You know, yeah. they would Save sit back. their back. And, yeah. and I mean, that's what happens all the time when you when you look at like global politics and when leaders are in the bad shape, they just flee. They, you know, they take all the money and they yeah. leave and they go hide somewhere else. And it's like cowards, you know, yeah. like greedy cowards. Yeah. Greedy cowards. Show me all the people that are volunteering their time. Mm -hmm. You know, all the mm -hmm. people that are volunteering, they're not doing it for fame. Mm -hmm. Their names don't end up in papers on the cover of magazines. They're not the world's most powerful anything or the world's most insignificant anything. They're just people. Mm -hmm. You know, those people are are, 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 are the real leaders to mm -hmm. me. You know, just the volunteer. They do it just because. You so know? it makes me think of like reshaping society's perception so the society starts um, to uh, value and validate those kind of leaders. Because yeah. you know what I mean? Like right now we value and validate 
the ones with the money, the ones with the fame, the ones with the biggest Instagram account or whatever. It, that's one of the thing like internet internet personality. It's like, yeah, what the, the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like, you know, like some of the people are just regular people. They didn't master anything. They're just a random guy or gal with just a hundred thousand followers for some reason that I don't understand just because it happened to be and now they're like influencers yeah what the fuck are you talking about yeah. they don't know anything it's like why would i listen to anything those people are to say you know it's like maybe we need to shift how we earn respect and how we earn it, the amount of attention that we have it's, it feels to me that it's disproportionate you know it's like it's, the wrong people have all the attention just because they have the money or they stumbled upon the fame or something and all the people you're talking about the the one working in the shadow uh, and and uh doing the amazing things that's happening volunteering their time helping actually helping people like for real right you know like not just giving money or through it's posting something a nice quote or something but actually really getting out there and doing thing it actually touched me so much yeah every time i found someone like that or i read a story about someone like that it, i'm always crying reading those things because i'm like shit man yeah. that this is the true humanity here how can we reshape this set of value Yeah, you know, I think that the, the power is in our hands, right? I mean, let's just say, you know, for some reason, if we could get um, everyone in the world to listen to this episode mm -hmm. of Dancing with Gravity, and everyone took the, you know, from this episode, they decided to take with them um, the idea that they should stand there in the mirror, be honest and transparent with themselves, mm -hmm. be honest and transparent with each other, and get out there and lead from the front and go first. Mm -hmm you know, and have respect for themselves and for their fellow man. Like if every single person, you don't have to change the world. You just have to change yourself. Mm -hmm. Like if everyone changed themselves, just one person, it's just a mind shift. Mm -hmm. Then the world would change that fast. Absolutely. You know, like how'd you change the world? I just changed myself. And if you just went right. around and asked all seven billion people, how'd you do it? I just changed myself. Mm -hmm. Done. Now let's just think about it this way. That's like, okay, that'll never happen. What if half the people in the world did it? That would be tremendously impactful. What if a tenth? What if yeah. a fifth? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just sat there and just said, uh, -uh I'm just not gonna be an asshole. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna lead from the front. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. So You know, but and unfortunately, we think that the, that we don't have the power, that we don't have the ability, that it's in someone else's hands. Mm -hmm. You know, that if I need something or something or, or, or a change needs to happen, needs to happen externally. I need to take a pill or I need to see this or I need to do this or once I achieve this, then this. You don't realize that you, you don't need any of that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just inside, mm -hmm. you know. And look, I'm not sitting here trying to talk to you like, I just figured it out and this and, and be like me, mm -hmm. right? It's a struggle, damn it. Yeah. It's not like it's just that easy, right? right? Every day, like you'll make that decision. Every you'll day. look in the mirror and you'll make yeah. it. And guess what? The next day you're going to wake up and you have to make it again. Yeah. Okay, you're going to have to sit there and reaffirm right. your vows to that right. every single day. Right. Really no different than kind of like 
than, than you and your practice with, with, with juggle. I mean, I feel, I feel like probably every day, I'm so taken by your story. <laughs> like the biggest loser. <laughs> but like, I just love it because like, for some reason, I really, I feel, I feel it. Like every day you probably had to look at yourself and like, and say like, do I want to like do this again? Right? Like, am, am I game? Am I going to do this? Because if I skip today, there's probably some other asshole that's out there Practice doing it. Like, am I, you know, am I going to do this? And the same goes for anyone out there who's can, you know, who who's been down that path of mastery. You know, to master something, you had to be, con you had to, you had to face that moment of confrontation, and you know what I'm talking about. That moment when you want to quit. Mm -hmm. That moment when the weight and the gravity of the situation and what you're trying to do isn't something you feel you can dance with in that moment. Mm -hmm. It's something that's sucking you down, literally pulling you, not just holding you down, but it is dragging you down. You know what I'm talking about. Like that moment of confrontation, that moment when all, and all you need to do, all you need to do is just do nothing. That's the thing. Yeah. That's so, it's so easy. easy. That's what's it's so, so tough about to it. Skip it. Right? To, 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 to just to bail out, mm -hmm. to make it all go away, mm -hmm. all you have to do is nothing. Mm -hmm. Just don't pick up the balls. Mm -hmm. Just sit there and watch another episode of Jerry Springer or the Kardashian, <laughs> keeping up with the Kardashians, whatever your guilty pleasure is, because you know we're a bunch of horrors. But like, but yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and so but the Kardashian are doing it. Well, well, yeah. They are recording the freaking episode. Yeah, they are doing. They're it. doing it right. You know? So it's like so. So it's that's what's so challenging about it. Every day, if we really are going to change the world, every day we're going to have to renew our vows. Mm -hmm. And like, and the hardest thing is that like, all you need to do is just simply do nothing. Just do nothing, yeah. and then nothing will happen. And that's so easy for people. Oh, today I don't feel like being. Uh, today I just want to be an asshole, mm -hmm. <laughs> or today yeah. I don't want to have to be nice to anybody, mm -hmm. so I'm just not going to do anything. Like it's just so and easy. And yeah, we. Build, we created a society that makes it very easy. Yeah. Because it wasn't that easy in the past. Imagine living in like the 1700s in a small village where there's like 200 people. Everybody knows each other. And then you're being an asshole. Just everybody knows it and everybody's going to come down on you. So it, I think it, 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 there, were, there were, and religion was there to structure and to you know, build into society like strong values, help your neighbor, love your neighbor, don't kill, don't, you know, don't, don't steal, don't all that. And so it was very easy to be pointed and to be like, hey, you're a freaking asshole, stop, you know. But today we're very much interconnected with social media and everything, but actually we're in a very, um, in a society that makes it that we can be stranger to each other. We can be walking in the street. And there's like, you know, th that's how I feel a lot in those big cities is that I'm around, you know, I, traveling the world like I did. I've been a performer my whole life. So I would travel and arrive in a new city every other week and spend a week there. And so I didn't know anyone, you know, like my entire life I spent it traveling the world being alone. I was part of a circus, so I had my colleagues, but 
you know, I was I would see them at night, see them during the rehearsal time, during the warm up time. I would perform with them. I would eat with them afterwards. So sometimes I just needed a little space from them. So during the day, I would go downtown and walk around and be in those big cities with like thousands, sometimes millions of people around me. But I was completely alone because I didn't know anyone. And today it's hard to co to connect with someone just like that you know how do you do that in the street when everybody has their own like you know like earphones listening to their podcast hopefully this one <laughs> walking in the street or listening to music or they have an appointment or they have something to do they're going from a to b and i was there in the middle of the day 2 p.m nothing to do because my show is at night so i'm like completely like opposite schedule of the rest of the world and i'm surrounded with thousands of people and I felt so alone and I, th I feel that today it's so easy to be alone and therefore we have so much space to be assholes yeah and no no nothing or nobody's taking us accountable for that it's it's so true and you know like you know one of the things that kind of would help to break down those barriers would be like trust right and trust is something that you can have Uh, once you feel like you have something in common, all right? Like, like if you're in a store and I'm in a store, the hypothetical situation, you know, and you start speaking and I hear, you know, your accent and, oh, you know, you're, you're mm. from Paris, speaks our friend, oh, yeah, you're all, we're both from Paris. Oh, my gosh, there's something, right? Like, mm -hmm. now there's a little something, yeah. you know? And, but, like, now I feel like, you know, like a good example, like, you know, we're, we're both members at a, at a private club. Mm -hmm. So we're members at this private club. This private club is supposed to be, you know, all creatives mm -hmm. or whatever it is. I can be in a room, sitting down in a comfortable chair, a chair like you'd see at grandma's house, not some like really cold chair you'd see like in some office building. Right. And I can be sitting three feet away from someone else who's supposed, who's a member of this private club, yeah, 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 yeah. who's supposed to be creative, yet I feel like there are concrete walls. Yeah that have yeah. been constructed and put between us, yeah. and I can't even start a conversation with yeah. you. And I don't know if it's because now, you know, am, am I af what am I afraid of? Yeah. You know, is, is she or he gonna think I'm hitting on her or him, or that I want something, Right. you know what I mean? I or am I yeah. invading on your personal time to immerse yourself right. in your Instagram feed, right. you know? Like, right. So even in a situation where you speak the same language, or you have a trust factor because we have mm -hmm. some type of apparent similarities mm -hmm. or things in common, there still is this massive wall, Absolutely. this massive divide. Absolutely. And so the question herein lies, what the hell are we going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I'm going to have to start a conversation with the cute blonde sitting next to me at Soho mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and see what happens. Yeah. And she'll probably give me the cold shoulder and that's fine. But somebody has to go first. Yeah. So it might as well be me and yeah. you talk to somebody next to you yeah it's very true and it's weird because uh as a performer i have all the tools to be very comfortable you know being seen and talking to people but i feel the same thing like i've i'm afraid you know i'm like i don't want to bother people i don't want to be this invasive asshole that has no understanding of like personal space and time and disrespectful you know but i i know i'm not that guy And I know that if someone tells me hey, I need some space, I'm gonna give them right away, you know. But still, I'm I'm always hitting this barrier, this wall. Like we we're so we put up walls around us so strong to be like I, 
and also maybe it has to do with like this you know projecting this picture of like I know what I'm doing yeah you know I know my shit I know what I'm doing right. I'm not lost I know what I, you know in, in, in our society today everybody's like pretending like no no I got this and I'm like I don't got this. <laughs> Nobody got this. We're all pretending. We're all trying right. to figure it out along the way. Nobody got it, you know? Right. Because we're all trying to figure it out. We're, and we're changing. And yesterday I was thinking something, and today I'm changing my mind, and tomorrow it's going to change too. It's, it's, you know, it's like, why do we have to pretend we got this? You know, I got this. I'm, I, I know where I come from. I know who I am, and I know where I'm heading. It's like, maybe... Maybe we don't and maybe it's okay because maybe that's not the right value. Maybe the value is not, I know exactly where I'm heading. Maybe the value is like, hey, I'm a respectful, understanding human being and I'm just here to share some time of life with you and I'm going to be honest with who I am and I'm just going to tell it how it is and I'm just going to listen. You know? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm thinking about it. I mean... I think, you know, I, I think that we are all kind of like so vulnerable right now in a way. Mm-hmm. And like, we're, we're really uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many of you out there have found yourself, you know, in a, in a social situation or whatever, and you just take out your phone and you kind of pretend like you're doing something, but you're really not doing anything <laughs> important. I mean, be honest, be honest with yourself, right? Like you're doing, and there's kind of like people around and you take out your freaking phone, your little pacifier, right? Yeah. And you pretend maybe you're, you know, flip through the Instagram really fast, check some emails, you know, there's not, there's no new email there. Right, you right. check them all already. Right. Like you're just sitting there. It's like, we're so afraid to like put it down and just like be vulnerable. Yeah. It's so easy. If all else fails, I can just grab my little device and just put up a wall because now when people look at me, oh. He, he must be this, doing something. This person she busy. must be. That person's right. busy. You know what I mean? Versus, okay, put it down. Why don't you look around the room yeah. and maybe find someone to interact with? Yeah. Or go talk to the bartender yeah. or network or just yeah. sit there and, and enjoy life. Fucking enjoy the moment. Breathe. Breathe. Right. Look around. Do you know what color the walls are in the room where yeah. you're at? Yeah. Have you ever noticed the ceiling right. in that place that you right. go to every Daydream. week? Right. Daydream, like maybe yeah. just put it down for a minute. Yeah. Like, and I'm not preaching to you, by the way. I'm talking largely to myself, mm. also because we all do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's become it comes from that insecurity and that vulnerability yeah. that I'm not comfortable with. Yeah. Right. And like, what was it like before? Like, we're 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 we're, <laughs> yeah, we're the true. same. We're the same age, right? right? Like, you know, at that point, you were. Well, let's see. So, like in the '90s, you were probably traveling the world, being cool. No, I was being a douchebag here in Chicago. <laughs> I was being a douchebag in Paris. Okay, so you were so great. So we were doing the same thing. So you were being a douchebag in Paris. I was being a douchebag here in Chicago. But like, I felt like with all of my douchebaggery, I feel like that version of myself, like, had to be comfortable being vulnerable. Yeah, I didn't. There was no phone. There was no, no social media. No. If I went into a social place, you know what I did? I talked to people. Right. Like, I'd go up to a bartender. I talk, like, and, and I was actually good at it. Like, mm-hmm. my friends would be like, oh, like, Falcon will go talk to anybody. Like, mm-hmm. and I literally would. Like, I would uh-huh. literally, and that was my thing. Right. If I was going to go to a social place, if I was going to go to a place like the club that I'm a member of right now, and I didn't have all of my concrete w- walls, that version of myself mm. would be having all kinds of conversations with people. Yeah. Right? 
I would have walked up, sat down with somebody. Hey, how are you? Or, you know, you yeah. come here often? No, no, no. Yeah. Whatever. And even if she's like, get away from me, asshole. Like, then you go away. Go <laughs> then away. You go, spend <laughs> someone else, go right? talk to somebody else and have a cool story. That yeah. girl just told me to go F myself. Right. Whatever it is. Right. Like, so, God, how were we living then? Well, I know then we were right. I was writing letters to people. Mm-hmm. Like, actual letters. I was doing that too. Right? Like, I don't I know if any of you have yeah. ever written a letter. I don't know, you know. You know who knows who's who, who 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 are you listening to this podcast right now? Anyway, <laughs> I'm talking to you. Like, have you ever written a letter? Like, we were writing letters. Yeah. We called people. Yeah, but on on the home phone. On the home so phone. So you had to wait for them to be home. Yeah. So I would call, and then it was like, oh, the person is not there yet. So okay, I'll try in two hours. So it was a whole thing to actually get in thing. touch or to meet. I remember. Uh, you know, saying with my friends like, "Hey, we're gonna meet in three days at 2 p.m." What you do show up? Yeah, that's it. Because incredible, you couldn't <laughs> send a text message to to change it up or right. to to fix it last minute. It right. was it was it was that was it. That was it. It was in concrete now. Yeah, and you knew that if you don't show up, you're you're, you're an asshole because your friend is like alone somewhere. And you they they don't know. You can't reach them. You can't oh. tell them I'm a little late or I'm this or I'm that. It, you just had to show up. So, I mean, I was like that a lot. Like maybe too much. Like too on time and too. I don't know if there's such a thing like to be too too much on time or too much like structured. But that's really a lot of how I function. But what you were saying about like the phone is like. I, I'm actually, uh, yeah, realizing that and, and uh, like catching myself doing that, you know, when I'm in a place uh, or even like, you know, you stop at the bus stop and I'm waiting for the bus. And if the bus is not there right away, what am I going to do? I just pull up my phone and then I open the phone and then I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually not looking at anything right now. So I actually force myself to turn it off put it back in my pocket and do what you're saying. Like, look, look up, look around me and, and just be. So maybe it's not, a for me, it's not about like necessarily interacting with someone else, but it's kind of like interacting with myself. Yes. It's like, be. Okay, yes. you're going to be right now. Feel your body, feel your emotions. What am I thinking? What am I experiencing? And do I like it? And if I don't, maybe I can shift my body position. Maybe I can get rid of this weird emotion that I'm having right now. Maybe I can just be comfortable with myself for a minute. And for me, this is really the core of what meditation is. So I just start kind of like meditating, but like in in this very casual way or just like be. And I realized that when I got uncomfortable is when other people see me doing nothing. That's where the impulse of like taking the phone and pretending doing something comes up. Oh my God, up. you're so right, man. I mean, and, and to a point where like I've been so uncomfortable with that exact situation of them seeing me not doing it. I've taken out my phone while it's dead and pretended I was doing something. <laughs> <laughs> I might be the worst. I'm the worst now. You, you, I love you, it. You guys, you, I yeah, love it. Don't, don't go to my Instagram. Don't follow me because now you know the truth. But we're being honest with each other, Thank right? Thank you for your honesty. But, but like, man. seriously, just kind of take it out and just hold it in your hand because, like, okay, well, like, everyone else is like, I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. That this Is he watching me? Like, how right. come he doesn't right. have the wall up? Right. Put your wall up, dude. Right. We don't care if it works. 
Yeah. We don't care if you have but no we're juice. All pretending. We're all pretending we're anyway, all pretending. so you're not pretending we, any more exactly. than we uh, and take so out your wall. Exactly. And that's the moment. The weird moment is when you stop pretending and you're just present. Yeah. And sm- and I look at and people look at me and I just smile. And I'm I'm not a- asking anything. I'm not trying to interact. I'm just here smiling. I'm just being, you know, and smiling and people are not used to that. And they're, they're like shocked and they're like, okay, this guy is weird, you know? And, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm fine being weird because I'm, you know, I'm a juggler. So I'm just like, I'm weird, you know? It's like, that, I'm <laughs> cool with that. You know, like I have no problem but you being got perceived the as being thing going on, weird. which makes you cool, weird. Right. But whatever people want to, you know, it's fine. Interpret it. I, I don't, I, that's something that I got to, um, deal with and get rid of soon uh in in my life is to be perceived that weird and um because you know i fell in love with the circus but that was not like the paris lifestyle you know all my friends in paris in a nice um you know college or whatever you go to school you know and i was going to school and like so my circle of friends Nobody was like part of the circus. It was like this kind of like hippie thing, you know, and everybody was, you know, Paris is like the equivalent of like New York, you know, like you're in, you're supposed to be dressed up like this or that and be in and like, like the right things, the trendy things. And I was, I always didn't care about how, how I dressed at all. Like I had no interest in that. I didn't care. I, I, I thought it was completely, um, stupid in the sense that I, I didn't see the point I didn't see the value of like putting money and time in like how you look how you dress so I always looked terrible and dressed weird and with a weird haircut and like and I didn't care but I was handling you know everybody else's judgment and and like especially when you're a teenager and you're young like this is heavy you know like it can be a lot and so I I really had to ask myself like well is it important is it important to me how people perceive me? And actually, um, when I started performing, I started making people laugh. And it was unintentional. So, And I never told people that. I'm telling you, it's a secret. Like, when I started performing, I was, like, so into what I was doing that I was kind of, like, over the top. I was being um, kitsch in a sense, you know, because I was like going and like my emotion and I would juggle and I would do this and I was always choo- choosing like extreme music with a, with a lot of emotion in it, like a little too much. And then people started laughing at me because it was kind of like funny, you know, to see this this young guy like totally into something and then when I dropped the ball I would like just fall on the floor and it was, it was this extravagant thing and people started laughing and my intention was like I, I didn't mean to make them laugh but it's actually pretty cool that they're laughing because people laughing I'm actually putting them in an awesome place and I'm the source of that so instead of taking it personal and being like, oh, those people are laughing at me. I realized that I'm actually, in a way, controlling them by putting them in a spot that's very positive. 
So actually, I'm doing good. And then I started being more aware of that and pursuing that. So I would actively make people laugh. And I I was self-aware. I became self-aware. But it came originally from a place where I didn't intend to have people laugh at me you know, in the street when I would walk with my weird clothes and people like suddenly see me around the corner and, and kind of giggle because I, I look like a clown, you know. But I realized like I can, you know, the, I can take that personal and close up and be mad at the whole world or I can realize that I have power, power to make people feel good. See, that's so cool. I mean, I love how you kind of reverse that. I mean, you took something that, you know, could have been, you know, negative and something that was detrimental to your kind of development as a young man, but you turned that into something positive and then something into that, that became a source of power for you and control over, over the moment, which is cool. You know, I mean, growing up for me, you know, I always felt like, you know, intrinsically I was, I was a confident person, um, but there was a massive amount of like insecurity floating around that confidence. That and, and trying to like eat away at it, mm-hmm. you know? And so y- even though you're confident, all that insecurity that's constantly attacking you, it's Absolutely. exhausting, right? Absolutely. And so and so then you you start to imagine, well, if I only looked like this, things would be different. Or if right. I only had this, it would be different, right? right. I and mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like I mean and it becomes who, a quest. Yeah. Who hasn't thought, well, if I were only like a little bit taller, maybe right. my life would be better. Or if my hair were just a little bit longer, life would be different, you know. So I went through a lot of that, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. On the inside, I wasn't really showing it, um, and and then as I matured and got older, a lot of that went away. But now it's so funny, you know, being a father. I, I look at my son, and um, I've got three beautiful kids, and all of them are so special. But like when I look at my my, we'll talk about my oldest son. Who bears, who bears my name as well, you know, it's so funny. It was almost like like that ideal that I had in my head mm-hmm. of like what I, if I only had this and like looked this way and was like this, everything would be better. Like oh, yeah, I birthed that kid. <laughs> kind of. Awesome. He's just like such a beautiful human being and he's like got like perfect hair and like perfect, features and like he's very much so praised for how he looks um and he's and he's a he's a beautiful soul as well but he's just so beautiful and i look at him all the time like oh my god dude like that's Mm -hmm. incredible and yet he still walks around with this circle of insecurity Mm -hmm. attacking him Mm -hmm. you know like and so Mm -hmm. at some point right we have to mature we have to grow up Mm -hmm. at some point we have to recognize right do we want to eradicate that or do we want to learn to be okay with that i think we need to immerse ourselves i think we need i think i like again we're going back to that that honesty and transparency Mm -hmm. with each other as human beings like i'm going to tell you face to face man to man there are times where i don't i feel insecure in how i look right there are times i i I feel like i would like to maybe look different Mm -hmm. or, or be a little different like I'm not always strong. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to eradicate the feelings, but I think that there's something comforting about valid. There's a validation to it by, do you ever feel that way too? Mm-hmm. Oh, Sharing you, that. Right? Oh, you do? Oh, shit. Oh, you do? Oh, shit. 
well, maybe this is part of this of, of the you know why, of why don't the situation we share that? of being why a human being. Why don't we share that with I each other? No, man. I mean, like we've we've touched on so many topics that I think kind of kind of sum it up a little bit. But I, I don't want to. I don't know why we don't. But I I, I certainly ego? know why we should. I think ego has a lot to do with that. I think fear. I think not fear wanting, to being rejected. Yeah, rejected. Not wanting to be vulnerable. You know. I mean, can I sit down and have that candid a conversation with? With somebody, I think I can, mm-hmm. but how are they going to feel about it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. So you know, but I think that what we need to do is, I think we need to try to be that honest, and you don't need to do that with like a stranger, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, don't sit there and tell the person on the L <laughs> about all your problems. You're going to be that creepy dude on the L that was like, <laughs> I sat next to this guy, just started telling me all his issues. But like, if there are people around you in your life that you care about, and that you know, and you maybe perceive they care about you too. Hopefully, it's okay to let them to know. Yeah, like let it's okay to be vulnerable. Put put your guard down, dude. Like take yeah. down that wall. It's all right, you yeah. know. And that like you know, they might pay that forward and like share a little bit more of themselves with other people. Like let's be more human with each other, mm-hmm. you know. Like moving forward, I don't want you to analyze maybe why things aren't that way. Let's just try to be a little bit more that way. I mean, at least that's what I'm going to take out of this. You know, I'm going to try to be even more human than I have been mm-hmm. with the people that are close to me and yeah. continue to build meaningful relationships and continue to share that level of, of humanity yeah. and authenticity, yeah. right? Because I, I, th- I think we all feel that way. I refuse to believe that we're the only ones that feel this way in this room, Yeah. right? Yeah. There's just no way. No. So... Let's do it. Yeah. Right? What what you said about being able to, like, um, deal with your fears and, and be determined and strong, but at the same time have this uh, moment of doubt it is, is so true um, to me, too. Like, you know, every time I perform when I come out stage, people come to me and they're like, wow, you, you look so confident on stage. Like it's, you know, you own it, you, you know, you, you look so strong. And I'm like, if you knew the amount of doubt and fear that I'm going through before I step on that stage and how much I need to like overcome all those challenges so I can actually step on stage and do what I do people don't believe me they don't believe me because they only see me through an eye of like you know the outside and be like oh shit you're so strong you're amazing you're doing all those things and but they're not inside of you and they they don't feel those things true but in essence if you think about it they're they're right Uh, because you're right if they only knew the amount of insecurity and doubt and all these things you had to overcome in order to do that an incredible amount right if they only knew But when you get up on stage, that what they're seeing is you overcoming all that. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's why it's so strong. And that's why it's so strong. Because, because actually, if the, I was not going all, the, all that, it wouldn't be as a strong of experience. Be. So every single time they're witnessing you confronting. Yeah. It's like the battle of all battles, right? Yeah. And, they're, and you're winning, you know? Yeah. And so the, the struggle of it, maybe they don't understand what it feels like. But visually, they're seeing a man crush a mountain mm-hmm. over and mm-hmm. over because every throw yeah. 
yeah. is another mountain yeah. crushed yeah. <laughs> in yeah. my mind. It's, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's another so, challenge. Yeah, it's another yeah. challenge. So it's not like the whole performance. Yeah. It's each individual throw is a crushing of that mountain. Yeah. And like they're witnessing it. And so you're damn right they see strength. Mm-hmm. And I can't, and, and I can't, and like, I, I would love to be able to like, really like looking, like to be able to look into your eyes, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you see someone goes into battle, you mm-hmm. know, the, f- the fierce, you mm-hmm. know, you see those, everyone has seen those images, right? Of like a lion or like some yeah. animal going in for the kill, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, it's a look in the eyes that has no words. I know you've seen, right? I can't even describe it right yeah. now, but yeah. like yeah. that level of intensity and focus yeah. and the like, focus, yeah. you know? And so like, I'm sure like when you're doing what you're doing, I'm gonna hope that you have your sin that that version of those eyes. You yeah, know I, what I, I mean? call it the Wolverine uh, samurai dichotomy. Oh, yeah, because I'm in between the Wolverine, which is which is just like um, uh, pu- pure animal, right. right? Like this sheer animal spirit of like going for the kill and putting everything on the line and the samurai who has the same amount of um, dedication but they are aware of the danger so they are aware of um, that actually they're putting their life on the line and they might die so it's this ultimate sacrifice and the samurai is extremely centered but kind of lacks this um animal um power so i'm adding those two when i'm going for the big trick in my act and i know that i have like maybe 50 50 chance to actually do it because it's so difficult that and i like doing difficult stuff on stage like not just the stuff i master completely i take i like taking risks but for it to for me to be able to take those risks on the big stage in front of a lot of people or on TV or stuff like that, I, I, I'm going in for the kill. So it's this balance. So I call it like the Wolverine samurai dichotomy. I love it. You know, I, I wish, I hope that, that more people could experience kind of a little bit of what you're talking about in their lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, really, because there's so much life, there's so much breath in, in, in touching upon those moments that you're describing, you know, mm-hmm. the Wolverine dichotomy, going in for the kill, mm-hmm. but also having an incredible amount of respect for the process, mm-hmm. you know, as a samurai would. Um, again, like you said, every bit is deadly, um, but just a, just way more aware, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's very similar to like warriors, you know, in, 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 in a war zone. But my ultimate goal is art and beauty, <laughs> not uh, death destruction. and destruction. Right, creation. You know, it's the other end of the dichotomy, but actually we're sharing a lot of values. You know, military. actually we're very close to the military. The circus is very close to the military because of the dedication yeah. and the structure, the amount of... Um, rigor that there is in the training in the process and 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 you know but for me i'm really seeing myself as a as an artist like beauty poetry grace those are 
my goals. Those are my values. That's what I want to bring into the world. That's what I want to share with people. Well, as I told you before in the beginning, um, I've got to figure, i got to get on the path, the mastery path. You know, I feel like just for myself, you know, I'm not sure what it is. And like, and I, and I like what you were saying before, too, about, you know, kind of um, having respect for kind of like, you know, playing the different sandboxes mm-hmm. and, you know, like, hey, you don't have to, to, to just, you know, to pick one thing. Um, and I don't think that I need to do that. I think I'm capable of doing multiple things, but I would like to take one thing and just be aware, mm-hmm. like really aware of, mm-hmm. of, of what is the state of my practice mm-hmm. in that space mm-hmm. you know what is happening in there mm-hmm. like you know people want things all the time right but but do you get what it takes to get there and, mm-hmm. are, and you know are you willing to do what it takes you know um i, I want to be able to play guitar the way mm-hmm. i see my heroes play guitar mm-hmm. well my heroes are masters yeah. <laughs> and they did spend like 10 hours a day all their life doing yeah. that you know it's like all their life their they're, whole entire life they're masters mm-hmm. so if i want to play guitar like my my heroes mm-hmm. you know it, this is pretty simple math mm-hmm. so you know do do i have that level of dedication do well, of you, course you do right do you have the like do we have that that level of, de- of dedication you, do, you know but i think there's something beautiful about that i think that you know I think there are people like there are people out there. Um, obviously, still we don't have to look back toward antiquity or anything like that to find people that dedicated themselves to a craft. It's mm-hmm. happening all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? People that just really, really focus and immerse themselves and mm-hmm. in, into what it is that they're doing. Um, I think it's freaking beautiful, man. I think it's so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's so cool to have that. So that's really what I'm taking from 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 my time spent with you more than anything. You know, is just like. That that it's not a question of should and ought, mm-hmm. but like I really feel like it's in me to 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 master yeah. something, yeah. you know, and, and and not just to say okay now I can you know belt this out or right. you know shred this, but really what I'm talking about is that dedication, mm-hmm. that rigor, mm-hmm. right, that process, mm-hmm. you know, that's where the romance is for me, mm-hmm. you know, is in like that that battle mm-hmm. you know like you were saying comparing it to soldiers that battle yeah you know and you have that confrontation every day so so that's my thing man and i think that you know if if, if any of the listeners if you guys are, are feeling that too you know you know don't be afraid you know just because you're an accountant doesn't mean that you can't be in a rock band or pick up an electric guitar and start taking lessons. You know, if everyone around you is is telling you you've got a beautiful voice or something, it's okay. Like, you can take some voice lessons. You're worth it, you know? And even if you don't have a good voice. And even if you don't have a good voice. Yeah, if it's something inside you. I think that's... Yeah, if you want to express and throw some paint on a canvas, then just start doing it. Yeah. Like, just just start doing it. Do it for yourself. Right? And just kind of get that process going and see where it takes you because... And you always get better. For you, sure, you, you can't get worse at something, you know. No. Like the the more you practice, if you, if you're present in your practice, and you're dedicated, you can only get better. Yeah, you know. So it doesn't really matter where you're starting, if you're starting with the, like an edge and you're like already good at it by nature, or if you're terrible at it. It doesn't really matter. What matters is like, do you like it? Yeah. Like, is it turning you on? Yeah. Because if it does turn you on, then it's going to be a source of fulfillment. 
and you're you will get better no matter what like you know if there's no way to get worse at something if you're dedicating your life to it or or at least some of your time to it yeah and you gotta find ways to to dedicate that time i know it can be hard but one of the things that i was doing i don't know if we talked about this before but like with my guitar playing um i was really having a hard time making time right and so um you know it just kind of happened where one day i realized to myself i'm like you know what I'm going to go ahead and bring my guitar into the room when I put my boys to sleep and, and, and play huh. them some stuff while they fall asleep. Oh, and so, because putting the boys to sleep is something that I do, let's just say five, at least five days a week, uh-huh, uh-huh. I can be home to put them to sleep. And so, and so I started bringing the guitar in there and, and playing them stuff. And it was amazing how quickly it knocked them out. Yeah. And even if it knocked them out in five or 10 minutes, I had always play an extra you, 20 minutes yeah. or because now I'm doing it. So I just keep playing and yeah. playing and playing. And, like, I remember, like, you know, it, it was so frustrating, like, guitar, like anything else, like, God, like, you know, your fingers start to hurt, because mm-hmm. you, you know, and everything, and, like, you're like, man, how do these people play this instrument? Like, mm-hmm. this is incredible, like, how do they do it? Because I'm so bad. But every day, five days a week, I would sit there, and I would play, then play, play, play. And then one day, it was amazing. It was almost like I, 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 I was sitting in a room, dimly lit room, this is in my head, by the way, people. It was almost like I was sitting in a room, you know, in a dimly lit room, and like there were all these doors around me, these, these old doors, and they are all just locked, just big, heavy oak doors. And I'm looking around, I'm like, how do you open these doors? Like, this is great. And then one day, as I'm playing, a door just on its own just heard like a lot, like a lot, and just opened up, and some light shined through. And like I started linking things together as I was playing that like I could never do before, but they just started happening. It was almost like you know on a neurological yeah, level something that's exactly what's happening happened, right? You created a pathway. Yeah, I created a pathway, and I was like, oh my god! And like now I was like doing and hammering things, and things Ooh. were happening, and I was like, oh! and I started like playing with it more, right? And then I was like going, going, going. It was like eh! it, like it, there was a limit to it, and I was yeah. like, but I tasted it, yes, right? Yes. I was like, if you put in the time. You make the step. The doors will open. I don't know when it's going to happen. I can't tell you You, the first door is going to open in six weeks or whatever. No, you can't know that. Right? You you can't know that. It always happens. That happened to me like countless times in juggling because it's exactly the same process that you're describing that happens in juggling. Like you're like, you're doing something and it's slow. You don't get it. it. And then suddenly it clicks and you're seeing the same thing but differently so and you're like why didn't it's and then at that point it seems so simple and obvious that you cannot even remember why what was the thing that you were so bad at it right that was holding three seconds ago i know because now it seems so obvious to you but you can remember the feeling of getting of being stuck and now the feeling is so different and so this gratitude, this gratification of like feeling in your body that suddenly you're mastering something is that drove me a lot and gave yeah. me so much and pushed me to like now I want the next step. Right. Now I want to feel that on the next level and 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 again and again and again. And so I would just keep pushing um, for like because once you you have that click happen once, you're like oh, it actually can happen. So you can unclick or open a lot of doors 
And my question is like, what's the limit? Well, maybe right. there's no limit. How far can I push this shit? You know? Yeah. And then I just went for it, you know, 25 years, like opening doors and, and doing that. But that's exactly what happens in your brain. It's like we know nothing about how our brain works. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, we, we you know. We but really it works well. Nothing. And if you keep at it, you just open doors and things are fant- like suddenly your understanding of the world. And that's why I think that's why I'm doing a podcast, because I, not that I have any answer for anyone, but it's just the way I see the world because of opening all those doors in my brain of those structures and pathways and being able to see juggling the way I see it now with this level of mastery is actually, um, uh, it's, um, how do you, how do you say that? It's rebounds or like you, you, you can find that in other places of life. It's not just juggling. It's like about science, about, physics about the understanding of the world about the universe about interpersonal relationship it's like it's just applies to so many things that's why i call it you know seeing life through the eyes of a juggler yeah no i love it man i mean i think that the masters of anything have kind of surpassed kind of just so much i don't know if surpasses the right world but either way like you know, I think it forces you to kind of zoom out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because the more you immerse yourself in every single door you open up, right? Like it just kind of pulls you out, 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 and then eventually, you know, with all these doors open, you you just get to see so much, mm-hmm. right? When things are closed, you can't see. When, yeah. when the doors are open, you yeah. can see. And yeah. with that new view and vision, you can see. Oh, okay, right? Like you're saying, like this task. You know, it has its parts. This has its parts. These, they're the doors on this. Oh, that's a 10-door thing. Oh, that's an infinite door thing. Oh, that's whatever. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, it really yeah, does allow yeah. you as a creative and a creator to take the position of a creator, yeah. you know, in a way, right? And yeah. you are the the master of your own world. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't live in the world. The world lives in you, as Deepak Chopra says. And mm-hmm. so, who is really in charge, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that amount of practice and the habits you develop on the way to becoming a master. Like we talk about this, like in Kung Fu and all the Kung Fu master, right? You know, like those Kung Fu masters and all those people we're talking about, they're very rarely like just preaching about how to like do the right roundhouse kick or like whatever, like it's a life. They're giving, they're talking to you about life because with mastery comes an understanding of life. You know what I mean? And that's the biggest lessons you get. All the seafoods and all those, they're telling you about life. Mm -hmm. And they're, and is that your handwriting? Oh my God. (laughs) What is that? What? (laughs) Look at that. He's checking my That's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Come on. (laughs) Look at that handwriting. Is, you know why? Because I wish you people could see, I hate to do that, but I mean, that is, we're talking about mastery. You better put that on your website. (laughs) Are you seeing this handwriting? Oh my God! Are those your Y's or your J's? Like they're all like yeah, so. Yeah, it's my J's, my Y's, my F's, my yeah. I don't know. I, so, the story is like when I was at school, <laughs> I really liked writing, uh, and but then I realized that to write as fast as possible, to to write everything that the teacher was saying, my I was writing terribly, and I didn't like it. 
what I liked was the aesthetic of my writing. So I started slowing down and writing correctly. So I became, I mean, I was never good at school, but I was even worse because I only had like the first sentence of everything that the teacher was saying, but at least my notebook was like freaking beautiful. Wow. So that's what I did. And so now I have a good handwriting. Yeah. No, if you see my handwriting, I mean, literally, I used to have decent handwriting. Right. And it is com it has completely disintegrated into just like... I. There are times where I don't even write down the entire word. Right, right. It's like, oh, I, I know what I'm trying to say. Right, right. <laughs> so it's like, mostly a question of like pathetic. slowing down, you know, and taking your time. Man, I want to wrap it up, but I have one last question. Sure. And um, I mean, I'm going to just put it out there. It's like, it's like about bullying. And I heard you talking in your podcast when you're interviewing some people and you, you talk about that topic. And, um, I think the truth is growing up I was I don't think I was around bullying I, I hope I was not a bully myself I don't really know maybe I was on some weird way um, and maybe I was bullied but in a very slight but I mean like kids you know always like tease each other but the way you talk about it made me understand that it can actually be a problem and a pretty big problem. And I think I was not even aware of that before because of my experience and not being around that or maybe being around that, but in such a way that it never affected me in a deep way enough to like take it seriously. And so I, I think I had a weird perception of it being like well it's just kid being kids but like listening to you really made me realize no no the bullying is actually uh, the step after kids being kids like yes when you're in the playground kids can be cruel they do this they do that then there's a certain amount of like this can be okay because they're figuring out how, how to relate to each other and stuff but like you're talking actually about something much different and and way above like this the next step yeah definitely i mean you know there's there's different types of bullying first and foremost right i mean there's verbal bullying there's physical bullying you know there's other types of um kind of more psychological things right. you know like if someone's just going to completely you know ostracize you from a group you know no one said right. anything no one did anything to you um but you know you're you've been um you're not included so there's lots of different types of bullying um and all of them have kind of different kind of severities maybe if you will mm -hmm. um, but I think there's something that kind of links all these different types of bullying um, which is the, the you know for, for, for myself you know the, the largest part uh, the biggest reason why I was able to kind of be bullied if you will mm -hmm. was because of um, you know and we talked about it so much today was a certain level of insecurity and pain that was like already inside me right that maybe i was not able to share kind of openly right you know um for myself you know i grew up with a single mom she was very tired mm -hmm. um i had to watch my mother you know crying over not being able to pay the bills mm -hmm. um you know the electricity being turned out having to spend the night at my grandmother's having to worry about food, all these different things. And so to tell, to, to express that 
kids were maybe just let's just call it mean behavior mm-hmm. to talk about this kids are being mean to me mm-hmm. kids are and, and, and on top of that they're being mean to me because of the color of my skin right so that's another thing I have to confront right right they're teasing me because of my skin mom right who am I supposed to have that conversation with right to just let it out right you know so I kept it all inside right and keeping it inside it turned into something mm-hmm. and so I think that you know, I know that most bullies are bully victims. That's what we know with enough um, of enough, you know, studying. So they turn around and do the same thing they got being heard doing, and then they're like doing it. They yeah. So most people that are bullying are also being crushed or being bullied right. somewhere else on the flip side. Right. And again, probably because they're not able to be as authentic. And do the same thing that we've talked about earlier. Right. Why can't I just tell you, dude, right. I'm insecure about my skin. Right. And I'm feeling Do you that have any way. insecurities? Do right. people make fun of your, your feet right. or your glasses? Like, do you mm-hmm. have anything else? Mm-hmm. Do you feel mm-hmm. sad sometimes too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Oh, my God. You know, mm-hmm. so like the bullies aren't, because they're bully victims, most of them. Mm-hmm. So they're not able to let it out. So they crush other people to take it out. Were you a bully too? I there was a time where I did a little bit of bullying. I won't I won't lie. Um, there was a little bit, a couple a couple boys, um, and I found myself kind of like. I, I was I was not an upstander. I was I was in with the group, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and like I I think about that sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and that's part of my story too. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a very small window of time. Mm-hmm. It was a group of people. We had a lot of power, and we but obviously really, didn't feel right. So you no, I knew it was extremely you wrong. You, you stopped doing it. Yeah, no, it was extremely like I I definitely stopped doing that. You know, and look, there have been times where you know you know we've been mean, mean behavior. You know, mm-hmm. this is yeah, because I I remember that. In yeah, my childhood, certainly, and I, I have a perception as a kid. I had a perception of myself being a team player, and um, yeah, basically being a team player and being part of the group. And then, when I was a teenager, one of my best friend blew up on me because I, I was being uh, an asshole to him and making fun of him something, and he didn't blew up being like. You, you always have been like that and for for some reason I, I actually listened to him and I turned around figuratively and looked at my history as a kid and my relationship with him and realized that all the way I experienced things was actually not the way at all the way he experienced things and so I was seeing him as a leader and yeah. actually I was the one leading most of the situation as a kid and I realized that I, I did hurt him deeply a few times when I, it was not my intention but that's what happened yeah. and I think I learned a lot about like oh wait a second it's not because it's not my intention or it's not what I want that it's not happening it might be happening even though and I need to like learn about myself and my behavior not just based on what I want to express to the world, but like how this dear friend of mine was so deeply hurt by me. Yeah. It was not, you know. Yeah, that's all we can do. I mean, look, like, you know, so I have, um, you know, an anti-bullying not-for-profit organization called Take No Bullying that I started a few years ago. Um, we started out really strong, and, and right now we're really trying to figure out kind of like how to reconfigure our efforts because 
the world is changing so fast. Mm -hmm. And so you really, you know, you have to kind of pull yourself back and kind of take in some information and then figure it out. But by no means do we have to try to end and stop bullying, right? Pain is a part of life, right? right? Like, especially when you're growing up in those formative years, you know, I have, you know, I've, I've, I've been in love and I've had my heart broken before, mm-hmm. right? Like, we've all been there. Mm-hmm. You know, the question is, what are our intentions moving forward? Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, as, as leaders, we talked about leadership before, you know, like, I can't make any comments about the leaders that were around me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That's over. That's mm-hmm. done. I can only tell you what I remember and what I experienced, but I don't know anything about, I know about my mother, but I don't know anything about anybody else. Mm-hmm. But what I can tell you is that what we can do now, you know, with everything that you've experienced in your life, all of the insecurity that you know you feel now, what examples can we set for these kids moving forward? You know, and how can we forget about stopping bullying? How can we limit the impact mean behavior and bullying have on our kids? Mm-hmm. Because it's not going to go away, and I think right. it is a part of life. Right. But no kid should take that f- information or feedback or energy they're getting from school and feel like they need to end their life. Right. Over it. Internalize it. And internalize it and, and feel like and there's feel no like one sh- for them to go right. to. And, drown and no outlets. Yeah, that. like that's unacceptable. Right. If, because every kid at some point is passing in their lives somebody that's in a leadership position, mm-hmm. whether it's a teacher, a police officer, uh, anybody. Mm-hmm. You know. So if we try to be a little bit more authentic, you see these children take ownership, mm-hmm. you know, and in, in, in how it is that you come off, how it is that we portray, and how it is that you express your humanity. I think if we do that, we can limit the impact bullying is having in our youth and, more importantly, co-create a reality mm. where we can accept each other for who we are a little bit more. Yeah. Man, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, really, really, I learned a lot listening to your podcast, so I would recommend everyone anyone who's listening to this podcast to listen to the rebel mindset yes yeah go to the rebel mindset.com and the rebel mindset is on um you know any place where you listen to podcasts yeah. on apple podcasts and, and you have the first season last year yeah first season on, yeah like, 20 episodes are there and i've recorded maybe seven episodes ish maybe yeah. somewhere around six episodes of season two i'm trying to get a head start i've got some amazing guests yeah, that's like awesome. yourself you're on my show i'm really really happy and proud <laughs> And so we're going to be releasing uh, the beginning of season two um, coming up real soon. Yeah. And, and yeah, I love it. And your how people can get in touch with you. Yeah. So if, if any of you um, are feeling like you're so inclined, uh, you can find me at chrisfalcon.com. That is my website. Um, you can email me there. Reach out to me. Um, a lot of different ways to get me, but that is probably the best way to get me. And I'm also on Instagram, believe it or not. I have a <laughs> tremendous amount of followers, about 300 um, like me exactly I think 300 is where all the cool kids are at yeah <laughs> right yeah. anyone with more than 300 followers is nah, really cool just... uh, but yeah <laughs> if, you, if you really want to look at my 20 pictures uh, and occasional things of me pretending to play guitar you can follow me at official chrisfalcon.com and I only put official on there because somebody told me to do it well yeah I guess and it Chris Falcon was taken so I yeah, had to do right. something right you had to do something so you're, you're the real deal I think you're so. the real one. Maybe I should just do the real. No, I'm sure the real deal is taken. It, the real. It's probably it's probably like <laughs> a, a, you know WWE wrestler or something like that. <laughs> uh, damn it! All right. Well, thank you guys for having me, and, yeah. and, and make sure you listen to more uh, Dancing with Gravity because you, sir, are my new favorite person. Woo-hoo. He's the best. 
man i'm really glad you came on thank you brother appreciate it (laughs) all right what did i tell you huh i told you he's gonna motivate you he's gonna tell you to get out there and do your thing so that's why i like this guy because we're we're on the same page Uh, So I'm happy you listened. Please review uh, the podcast, share it on social media with your friends, Uh, go in the show notes if you want to buy juggling stuff, everything is there, all the links are there, and um, thanks for listening to the show. Remember, failure is an essential part of juggling, but failing is not the problem. The problem is not learning from your failures. So get out there and juggle, fail, learn, repeat. Mm-hmm.